Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, we're probably going to one of the nicest areas in the UK. We're going all the way down to Devon. Alistair Banks, co-founder at FindingYourPassion.co.uk and OPEX, if I've got that correct. Optics. (laughs) Optics. Sorry, I had it in front of me and I completely couldn't find it on the screen. Optics. totally fine. Alistair, you're very welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, tough to have you. Typical fashion of this show, kind of focus, early influences, challenges, pivotal moments. So no different for you. Uh, I know you're based in a beautiful part of the UK. You also grew up in another nice part, Essex, if I'm correct. <laughs> it's interesting. You say nice part, actually. I mean, I do love Essex, I have to say. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm an Essex boy, born and bred. But um, yeah, it's not often referred to as that. So yes, I, I grew up there. I, I went to school there and uh, I left there to go to university down in Devon in 1997. Well, focusing on Essex, any favourite or standout memories from your childhood or time spent there? Um, yeah, I mean, I I think growing up in Essex was a very influential kind of time in my life. It's, it's close enough to London to kind of get that vibe. Um, I did, you know, did work experience in London when I was, uh, at at school in the sixth form. So I, you know, I, I got a bit of that buzz going in on the train every day and seeing what that was all about. Um, and I went to a school, uh, which is famed now for uh, the only way is Essex. So I'm, sh- I'm not sure I should say that, but um, mm-hmm. in a place called Brentwood. And um, there were some quite famous people that went to that school. Um, so Frank Lampard was in the year above me and played football against him. Eddie Hearn was in my year. He's actually still a friend of mine um, the boxing promoter. And um, yeah, so there were some influential times actually. And uh, I look back on those times very fondly. Eddie Hearn has had a stressful few weeks. Hope your last few weeks has not been as stressful as his. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, sticking with early days in Brentwood, uh, who do you think had the biggest impact on you or inspired you the most while growing up? <clears throat> um, so I think, I, I suppose it depends a little bit on the way you look at that question, really, and you define it by you know, individually your value set and and the way that you look on life or whether you're talking about, you know, what we'll probably come on to, which is business. Um, so I think, you know, from, from a value set perspective um, and, and who I am now as a person, as a father, as a husband and everything, it's probably, you know, mostly family members. So my dad, uh, my grand, granddad was very, I was very close to him when I was growing up, um, looked up to him. He had a successful job at BP um, for many years. He he built his own house, you know, in the 50s or 60s and in a beautiful area of Surrey, lots of land and stuff like that. And so I looked up to him very much. Um, 
and I, and I had a bit of a goal and this I think this is relevant probably to this conversation because I had a goal which I used to joke with the family when I was like literally 10 saying I'd buy that house again one time I mean, it's probably worth like two or three million now but um you know everyone sort of looked at me and went yeah yeah Alistair yeah okay but you know even now at 42 I still think to myself and yeah, obviously I've got family connections now but I still want to ideally own that house at some point because mm. you know I said back then when I was 10 I'd do it and and I'm pretty driven so yeah from that perspective definitely from a business perspective I mean I was probably a bit young still back then to be thinking that way I'm sure that people like my father who's you know runs his own business and, and has done for many years he was probably a big impact um, and a reason that I went into to do what I do if you managed to buy the house, would you leave Devon, a beautiful part of the world, and well, move back there? Yeah, well, this is the thing, isn't it? So, you know, when you're that age, you don't really think about stuff like that. So I've often joked with my wife and said, you know, I do want to own that. And she said, well, it's going to have to be a second home. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's quite an expensive second home. So I don't, I don't know. And also the other thing is that they've they've completely changed it since those days as well. So it wouldn't be the home that I remembered back then. It's completely knocked about and rebuilt on and stuff. So, yeah, I, I think actually it probably won't happen. But what I will do is I will, uh, you know, aim to have something very similar myself in in this area it's a good thing to work towards we all need something to work towards um a couple of things i know about you before we get into business you 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 like to ski you've been skiing you've alluded to already you're a father uh i could get this wrong but i i've got the feeling you're into photography i've seen a couple of pictures of you holding a camera okay yeah yeah no just so i mean I wouldn't say I was into photography. I, I they had a period of about, um, and I still enjoy doing kind of video work actually more than photography. I do love photography actually. I don't like it just a, as from a personal passion, but not not commercially. Um, but I had a period about five years ago where I created a YouTube channel and uh, of my own, and I uploaded a video about entrepreneurship every single day for a year. And it almost wow. killed me because it was crazy. Yeah, it, it, it was crazy. I mean, there was days where I really did not want to do it, but I made myself. So so there's a YouTube channel out there with um, with all of those tips and advice and things that I'd learned over the last kind of 15 years at the time. And um, and it's probably pictures you've seen of me with my camera doing that kind of stuff. Um, mm. So, yeah. I've uh, respect to that. I'm doing a podcast daily and that itself is hard enough, but I can't imagine a video doing that daily must have taken it out of you yeah I mean you know what I think I'd probably rather do the video daily than the podcast so I respect to you for that um, Rian it's uh that's a that's a hard one yeah finding and sourcing the guests is probably the most difficult and the research takes a bit of time but oh, I'm sure I believe you're a dog owner and you also like to travel so all those things aside is there anything that you're into or curious about that not a lot of people would know about you um, into and curious that not a lot of people know about me. I um, <laughs> I found an, a fairly unique interest recently, actually, with my son, Oscar, who's just six, uh, in remote control cars. That's quite a unique one. Um, so I didn't realise that this entire world existed until he asked me whether we could buy one which I just did I bought like a 30 40 pound one just to him to see if he actually liked it and was going to use it and then I suddenly found myself buying more and more expensive ones and you can buy these things for like a thousand pounds each if you get wow. right to the top but um yeah I haven't quite got that far but I have bought one that's quite expensive and um 
they are incredible because I remember you know when I was young where a remote control car basically spent 24 hours a day charging it for about five minutes um yeah. play with it and so these days it's completely the opposite you know you spend two hours charging it and you get like a, a two or three hours out of it which is amazing so That's yeah nice. these things are incredible there was a show when I was a kid growing up that maybe it was based in America they used to have like these cars where they just tried to smash each other and whoever smashed the other car won it was like an arena and they had these big teams building electric kind of oh robot wars that was probably a robot wars yeah I mean that's what I think of when you say it (laughs) no it's not quite like that no these things are crazy they're like little well I say little they're not little at all they're quite big but um they're, they're they're scale models of actual kind of cars and the ones that i've got into are called crawlers and they go over anything i mean you have to see it to believe it but the kind of things that you can get them to go over and up and stuff is just you know it's madness but so yeah it's and it's nice for me and oscar because it's something for us to do together that we both enjoy and we got as you said we got lo- loads of lovely you know woods and places like that around here in devon that i can go and take him and and, and do that yeah and Moving on to 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 business side of things, your business is over 20 years old. So that itself is incredibly impressive. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and you might be familiar with this term from your time with Andy McCready at, at Sandler, is a cookbook. Just uh, anyone who's listening to who's not familiar with that, uh, it's not a recipe book, but it's essentially a list of kind of daily things that you need to do to keep your pipeline healthy, whether that's number of uh, cold calls, messages referrals uh, and this probably has changed over the years considering your business is 20 years old or over 20 years old and i think it's 22 years old what's in your cookbook to proactively keep your pipeline healthy yeah sure so um the, the kind of things that yeah you're right like our business has changed dramatically in that time so you know when i think back to when i was the sort of sole person selling what we did what we do um which is web design and digital marketing services it was it, it was things like networking um when you could network it was things like um it was a bit of cold calling every now and again uh we did do some of that um it was using linkedin it was using social selling all of those kind of angles so I did all of those things fairly regularly, um, but as I've transferred, I guess, into a different role, which is more of a um, thought leader, I suppose, you know, those I do now different things to what I did back then. So now I do stuff like I focus on things like public speaking. So I do a lot of public speaking gigs. Um, I will talk, you know, talk at conferences around the world. I, I um, speak at you know big company organizations to hundreds thousands of their staff sometimes Mm. um and those are the kind of things that get me and our business in front of our direct you know our ideal customers um and i write a lot as well so i keep a business journal i have obviously my social media presence still um a bit a fairly big linkedin following so yeah those are the kind of things that i do now and it's a little bit i guess it's less um proactively going out and finding people and more uh when you've been around for 20 22 years people just mm-hmm. find you you know every day i'll get a new inquiry probably and i don't really do anything for it so that's a nice position to be in yeah it's good uh, it's uh, i've worked for it <laughs> yeah yeah for sure no doubt and i actually enjoyed reading your journal and i'll leave the link to 
the your journal below and all the other things that we're going to touch on throughout if anybody wants to read, read it as well um but but touching on that you you're right you've got a phenomenally good brand uh and you've positioned yourself as a thought leader very well so i'm curious to know what are some of the things that you see people do where they spend way too much time on trying to build a personal brand that you think they shouldn't spend that much time on? Um, Things that they shouldn't spend that much time on. Um, I think, I think the first thing, I don't know if this necessarily answers the question directly or not, but it sort of springs to mind when you say it is that when I'm talking to people about building their personal brand, I think there is a, there's a, a, something that a lot of people get wrong and it's a high percentage which is that they talk far too much about themselves and not you know because they think that's what a personal brand is you know hey I'm great you should use me sort of thing and and all their material all of their blog posts everything is all about them and I'm always saying to those kind of people you have to flip your mindset. You can't be talking about yourself. You need to be, first of all, understanding who your ideal customer is and then understanding what their problems are, what their challenges are, what their pains are, to use a Sandler term, and and then creating content which, you know, answers those and attracts them to you. So, you know, people will come over time if you do that, but it's a long road and it's not something that, you know, it does just doesn't happen overnight. And I just don't think people have got it in them to keep going the distance quite often and quite, you know, honestly. And um, so I'd say, yeah, I'd say that if, you know, there's one thing that I see people getting wrong all the time, it's them talking about themselves, not thinking about how they add value to others. Does that answer the question? It does. Uh, second part to the question is, you've mentioned that you'd get, you know, on average, like one inquiry a day and you don't have to do much work for it. Um, 22 years in business and a thought leader uh, not that anyone can click their fingers and put themselves in that position but if someone wants to think long term what are some of the advantages other than new daily inquiries that you've experienced from building a well recognized brand Um, yeah so I, I guess other than business development yeah which is what yeah. kind of what you're asking yeah um there's there's a couple of things that i would say really uh, do it for me is you know what a better phrase but um one is leaving a legacy so i always sort of say this in my presentations when i'm talking to other people about you know why should they consider building a personal brand now i know that this isn't for everybody but for me it's quite important so you know, I want to leave a legacy so that, you know, the next generation and the generation after that are still seeing me, consuming my content, that kind of thing. And, and particularly family, you know, my, my kids and my grandkids and, and their kids, hopefully. So, you know, building a personal brand online, but then probably at some point writing a book or maybe even multiple books is is on my to-do list and you know I want something that gets passed down really so so that's one thing I know that's not for everyone but that's for me um the the other thing and and this is it's actually something I'm about to launch on my journal today in fact talking about this which is having a kind of a purpose in life and I think my purpose I feel like now my purpose is to to pass on 
knowledge to other people and that's what gives me a real kick so I, I do enjoy the sales I do enjoy the business development you know I like nothing more than winning a new client and all of those kind of things that go with that but actually I also I, I probably enjoy more standing up in front of 100 500 students telling them all the things that I know about that I've learned over the last 20 years that might help them in their journey and them looking at me and saying he's done it which is nice and and then also <clears throat> contacting me afterwards and saying you know thanks so much for inspiring us you know it's nice to see someone who's done this before and, and has gone on and been successful and that is a much bigger kick actually than than even winning business the reason why i asked the question was because the very first time i experienced the power of someone's brand whether company or individual was was this exact scenario a and this will tell you how old it was. A postcard was sent out uh, probably a decade ago and it landed on a prospect's desk. And the postcard had an invite to an event. It was a Sandler event, funnily enough. You're familiar with Sandler. And it had the, the franchise owner's name, a couple of details about the event. And the individual was about to bin it until they saw the Sandler logo on it. They didn't give a shit about the franchise owner, the event, the details, but they recognized the logo and they had been to a Sandler event in the US with their company. Now they're out by themselves. They saw the Sandler logo, decided that, oh, wow, Sandler's in Ireland now. I'm going to attend this event. They attended the event. That franchise owner ended up winning uh, IBM as a corporate client. So nice. the power of personal brand and building a recognizable brand there is a great example. I was also curious to see how it's benefited you. So thanks for sharing that. One of the other things that you've talked about, uh, I think you said there is the words you used and may have changed since then is there's no more important tool than a cash flow forecast. In fact, you've actually built a, uh, a free forecast tool, which again, I'll leave a link to below, but I would like to know why you chose that as the most important tool any fledging business should have. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I, uh, yeah, love the question. Thank you. Um, it's, so my, I mentioned at the beginning, my father runs his own business. He's a, a business consultant, um, and has been for, well, uh, as long as I can remember to be completely honest. So, um, probably a good 40 odd years. And, um, he, when we started, I was obviously very fortunate to have him on my side and I was 19, right? So I was at university. I knew nothing about business and, I thought, you know, I came out of the dot-com bubble. So I was in 1999 or 2000, which was the year we graduated and, and the year we started our business, everything was kicking off in the internet. So, you know, even half, half the people I spoke to probably didn't even have websites back then. So it's kind of very, very different to these days. And um, I knew I was a computer science graduate. So I kind of knew about the internet. I kind of knew about computers. And I thought to myself, well, I've got a chance to run a business, you know, let's go and create websites for people. Let's go. And at that point, you know, if I'd been left to go at my own pace and, 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 and in my own way, I, you know, I might have survived. I don't know. But I, I think I owe a lot to my dad because he said to me very, very early in that journey, he said, absolutely critical that cash is cash you know in a business and you can have a super I remember him saying you can have a complete you can have a profitable business that goes bust and and that that stuck in my mind you know 22 years on I'm still remembering that you can have a profitable business that goes bust because if you haven't got cash you can't do anything 
at all so you, you can go out of business and mm. um and that's when he introduced the cash flow forecast to me so the even even the one i give away now which you know thank you for linking to um nice. even that one is a sort of it's a morph of what i was using 22 years ago because it hasn't really changed you know it's, it's it's what's coming in it's what's going out um very simply and then there's a few formulas that make it all work together but if you don't have a good gauge on what cash you've got in the bank uh when you start up it, it, it's very easy to run into trouble and you know that's why i think that this is the kind of thing I think they should ch teach in schools, to be completely honest, because, you know, if anyone's thinking about being an entrepreneur or starting a business, they really, really need to understand how important cash flow is. Um, and you often hear these stories about, uh, what is it, 80% of startups or something fail, I think. Um, yeah, my, it's really high. And, and my guess is that it's almost always because of cash and they haven't managed it very well. And maybe they've taken out too much. You know, I lived on literally nothing for five years and because we had to. Um, and that was made maybe made clear or prominent to me because I was looking at this cash flow forecast every every day. And, and Rian, just to quickly finish this um, and sure. say how important it is, like last year has been another really good example of where that cash flow forecast came into play because i guess over the last 20 odd years bar the economic crisis in 2008 may we have looked at the cash flow probably on a monthly basis but last year when we lost 40 percent or 50 percent of our business overnight because of the 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 coronavirus we the first place we went back to was the cash flow forecast and you know, then every single day, as a management team, as a as a board, we were looking at that cash flow forecast. We were working with our bank manager, saying, "This is what could happen. This is what you know we've lost. This is all the staffing costs. This is everything we've got in our business on one piece of paper." And we could project forward and say, "This is what's going to happen if we stay where we are, or if we win business, or if we lose more business." Um, and I heard a lot about, you know, people that were struggling to get loans, the Sybil's loans and stuff like that back then. And it's probably because they didn't have the figures. Whereas our bank manager, the minute we wanted a bit a business loan, he said, well, send me all this stuff. And we had it all. So that's why that's why I believe it's so important and why, why I talk about it so passionately. Powerful. Vulnerability, um, something you've spoken about. Do you believe that being vulnerable or showing vulnerability is a good thing in business? I do. Um, I, I, I very much do, actually. And, you know, thank you for asking the question and, and I'll show it now. I, uh, um, I've been on a personal journey over the last two years, which or three years, really, which has been horrendous. Um, my wife and I lost a baby in 2018 um, and uh, 22 weeks. And then within 12 months, we'd lost another baby, Charlie, at six hours after full term. So um, within two years, you know, to go through that is is horrendous. And then we came into the coronavirus about three or four months later after that. So, um, yeah, you can't really, you know, hard, hard thing to go through. And I've been very vocal about this subject and this story. And I know it's not for everyone and it's quite depressing sometimes, but I think it's it's so important. And, and I'm so pleased to see so many business owners and prominent figures now in world of sport, in world of business, talking about this openly is that, you know, the mental health side of things is, is critical because I went from being, you know, super confident, uh, just really driven for 18, 19 years to 
a bit of a mess actually last year you know when when uh, after Charlie um didn't make it and you know six months after we are lost really because I was very strong for kind of Liz in the first six months six months after I fell to pieces and you know I was trying to run a business in coronavirus times as well so it's really horrendous and and I just think that if I hadn't have had people around me and if I hadn't spoken up about it um it, it, it could have been really it could have been a lot worse for me so yeah I'm 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 very passionate about making sure that people talk about this stuff and I think that showing vulnerability has done nothing but good things for me and you know if we want to link this back to business what I've noticed is that my sometimes my prospects and my clients have kind of reached out to me personally and gone like that's amazing Alistair what you've done you know what you've been through I can't believe you're still standing all of these kind of things and that relationship with those people has has deepened to a level which maybe you know I, I don't even know whether you, you you I would lose them as clients again ever yeah. so I think vulnerability is 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 very key and I think too many people are a bit scared about what might happen if they do say these things mm-hmm. and I would say you know you, you do it well first off thanks and hats off to you for for being open uh, something else you've been open about is, and I'm going to read it here because it doesn't make sense if I say it myself. Uh, I don't suffer from imposter syndrome in front of large audiences, even speaking at international conferences or writing here where you're talking about your blog or your daily journal. Uh, when I recently found myself in a room uh, in Clubhouse with a load of self-made millionaires talking about how to run a business successfully, uh, those darker thoughts did begin to creep in. I'll leave a link to that article itself below, but can you talk me through how you managed to, I guess the right word is probably power through that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's an interesting one, the imposter syndrome situation. And it does seem to be coming up a lot recently. So I'm not sure if there's a reason for that to, based on what we've been through or not, but I think, um, I think the first thing is that, you know, to recognize is that everyone pretty much gets a bit of imposter syndrome at some point. And um, if they don't, they're probably lying or say they don't, they're probably lying. So um, I think that, yeah, when I was in that room, what, what I, I mean, I don't know if the your listeners will have come across Clubhouse yet or not, but yeah. just to kind of, you know, just to quickly say it's a social media site. It's an audio based social media site. OK, so you, you log in and you go to like what feels like a conference and you can go up on stage and all these people are talking on stage and you get the chance to ask questions and stuff. And I think what I found out in the early days and I do love Clubhouse, but what I found out in the early days is that there were certain people in there that were gaming the system somewhat. And, you know, they would be on it 24 hours a day. They'd be on it multiple phones um, and saying the same thing actually time and time and time again. And what it does is when you go in and you find your, you drop into that environment, you sort of think to yourself, Oh God, am I good enough to be involved in this? And then, and then actually the way that people certain conduct certain rooms means that they put you under pressure to, ask a question of them as though they're a higher level than you are and Mm -hmm. you can't drop in and share what your your knowledge you're not allowed you know you the first thing they say is oh what's your question for the panel and you know immediately that environment is is conducive to the they're great they're greater than me and um I think so what what happened was over a period of a month or two I, I, I cut them out you know literally I I just said I just thought to myself no hang on these these I've I've done 22 years, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. There's lots of examples of, of where I stand up in front of people and talk to them about, uh, give them advice. I think 
cutting people like that out of your life actually and it sounds a bit <laughs> a bit a bit full-on but um I think it's just important you know that you, you don't you don't mix with that, that kind of thing because it will bring you down and those thoughts start to creep into your mind so yeah I don't I rarely go into those rooms anymore um I think I figure in clubhouse if you're finding your feet on it go into the smaller rooms because they're much better and they're the, they're better conversation um don't feel you have to kind of try and compete with someone who's running a massive room it's just not you know it's not the, not something that's important yeah, well spoken. I've I've I felt that myself whenever I've played around with it a little. I also can't kind of get my head wrapped around it fully. The only kind of time that I'd find myself in it is in my spare time. But then in my spare time, I'd rather probably spend my time with my girlfriend. So mm. I don't I don't spend a lot of time in clubhouse because I could find myself during business hours, whatever you want to deem that as being self-employed, both of us. Uh, I find myself wanting to do things that are going to raise the level of the business so yeah I, yeah for sure i mean I, just a little tip on that actually because um I, i've i've definitely thought the same things Rian. i i <laughs> i have the notifications on and it blows my mind like people that i know as well quite well who have families just constantly on it all day mm. and even at like 10 o'clock at night and you're like what are you doing um but yeah i my, so what i found actually fairly recently i found this app on um my phone called rise um so it's a, it's an app about sleep and you know one of the things i looked into when i was going through those tough times was all about sleep and you know struggling to sleep and stuff so i've done everything in that world to make myself you know better at sleeping essentially because better sleep equals more you know being able to do stuff that you, you want to do including building your business so um but i found this app called rise and what it does is it tracks your circadian rhythms so mm. you've got you've got times in the day where you peak and times where you trough and uh, or dip and i've been learning about my times over the last month or so a lot and really focusing in on it so what i'm doing now is in my peak times i'm focusing on certain things within my business where you know i can move it forward marketing journaling videoing all of those kind of things which i i love doing and then in the dips where i really struggle i'm doing i'm actually literally just taking myself out of the business so it could be in the middle of the day or just after lunch i imagine for a lot of people um going out the going out on a on a walk just going getting into nature being a bit mindful but then also jumping into places like clubhouse at the time because it's actually quite easy to do um so i can still get in a couple of hours in the middle of the day doing something at a time when i'm probably not that much better doing anything else um and then i'll work a bit later in the evening if i have to i like that because i've gone through i've sorted myself out that my kind of prime time is 8 30 till about 12 30 and after mm. that, you have a couple of hours of dip, and that's a good point. That's a great time to kind of do those things. Yeah, we're coming near the end of the podcast. A few more questions for you. The one of them is, what's your favorite aspect of leading or running a company? My favorite aspect of leading or running a company, um, I would probably. I, I enjoy the wins. I enjoy the sales wins, particularly. Uh, and, you know, being a Sandler man yourself, you'll know, you know, that what, why I say that really. I know I enjoy bringing on new clients. That's a, that's a fantastic thing to, to feel. Um, I also enjoy seeing members of my team doing really well. And I, I guess that this has happened a bit more in the social media times than pre perhaps beforehand but you know seeing 
I don't know, Crystal, who works for me, being asked to speak at Brighton SEO is, is a really is a huge thing for both her and our business and it's a you know it's a conference that's a European leading conference in that space so you know seeing that and seeing how proud she is and being proud of her is like amazing um and I could probably pick out a number of other staff in in similar instances so yeah seeing those people win is a is a really big thing when it comes to uh the year 2030 so the end of this decade, I'd like you to imagine that we're talking as if it is then 2030 and we're looking back. What would you like to be looking back on? Great question. 2030. So <laughs> it's also really tricky that because um, my, 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 my plan is five years at the moment, not, not 10. So um, I think, so I've, I've, I've got sort of a, a bit of um it's not a crossroads, but I've got a kind of fork in my in my journey at the moment, which is I've got optics and the business that you know I built from nothing to 22 people and 22 years old, and we've now put an MD into that business, Rob, um, who's amazing and he's really running the day to day of that and has allowed me to sit back a little bit more and, and create this thought leadership and brand find your passion which is more aimed at entrepreneurs and people that need help with personal branding and um and that kind of stuff and that's where the book will be written and stuff like that so um but i am still very important linked to optics and, and still a third owner of it so within five years we want to double the size of optics that we that is in our kind of mission statement if you like um or our, or our goal setting and so i would say within 10 years uh, we probably will be in a position where, you know, maybe we're either looking at exit or we're looking at um, management buyouts. That kind of thing would be quite a, a good thing to do, maybe with a, a role of kind of a mentor um, or, a, you know, a chair of a board or something like that. So I'd quite like to be involved in the business that I created still uh, back, uh, you know, in 10 years time. That would be good. But I also will have have created and, and launched the book finding your passion and that will be very much aimed at the kind of student population so you know I started a business at 19 I really want other people to do the same sorts of things and I want to write a book that journeys everything I've done over the last 22 years and all the lessons that I've learned and that's that's kind of my dream to do that nice final question I'd like uh actually let me start this again your, your loved ones are all safe but your house is burning down and you can only save one item what one item is that going to be Wow. <laughs> um, okay. What item is that going to be in my house? Do you know, I'm not, I'm not really that fussed about items actually. I mean, I, I, I look around as I sit here because I am working from home today and think, you know, would I go for anything in particular? Um, I'm, I'm not totally sure I would, as long as my loved ones are safe, like you say, then I'm, I'm, really happy um and actually material things can just be bought again and like you know i'm not mm -hmm. i'm the kind of person that if i prang my car i don't get upset about it because it's a piece of tin and insurance covers that and you know who cares like it, it, i'm i you know I'm, I'm about people i don't really mind too much I, i'm i do enjoy nice things i have to say i really do but um would i go and save something i mean I, I assuming you're putting our dog and cat into the loved ones. So obviously yep. those two, um, I don't know, maybe my watch. The, interesting. The, 
probably most common three answers. They usually fall into one of three buckets. It's either someone will say don't really have anything that meaningful, anything to be replaced. I'm a people person. Second one is, uh, and this is the most common answer, probably 74% of people will say they'd save their phone or their laptop. And then the third one would be something like a wild card. You, you, you wouldn't expect it. Like someone said they, they, they'd go to the fridge and get some foods because they'd be hungry. Really? Wow. Yeah, no, I, I definitely wouldn't fit into three. I mean, two, yeah, you can see why people say that. But again, you know, maybe maybe 10 years ago, I might have said that. But these days, everything's in the cloud anyway. So again, it's just mm-hmm. a, it's just an object, isn't it, that is connected to the cloud. So, you know, you can get and get a new one and, and probably better one actually that way. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that either, I don't think. Well, we'll go with your watch. Nice. Yeah. Alistair yeah. Banks, <laughs> uh, I've had a pleasure spending the last 35, 40 minutes getting to know you a little better. Uh, I you. wish you nothing but the best going forward. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for being my guest. Well, thank you for having me on, Rian. It's been really interesting and lovely to talk to you. So yeah, wish you the best too. Beautiful morning, beautiful morning, baby.